I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast. We've had a bit of a break, but we're back, me and Benji, with the Mega Transfers Podcast. There might be some more that are announced after we record this. We'll do ad hoc podcast covering that as we need to as usual this show is supported by our show partner lacole more on them later but the headline signings that we're going to cover throughout this podcast include soler ackerman almeida to uae christoph and bistrom to intermarche as well as vinium germay denkob to dsm Higita, Vlasov, Hindley, Haller, Bennett, Van Poppel, Mullen, Archbold, Alderbora, Hansgrohe. A word on Sagan to Total Energies, although we've already covered that if you see on the YouTube channel. Uh, we assumed it had already happened, as well as Plap and Finn Fisher Black, some young uh, oceanic riders to UAE and Ineos. But first off, Benji, UAE, Almeida through 2026. Is Almeida, in your view, the best GC prospect that was available in this transfer window? Who I think it's definitely one of the better ones out there because we've had, for example, Vlasov available. We have Thomas available, but obviously Thomas is not in the ballpark of being a prospect anymore for the future. So and Almeida has a future ahead of him. We know that from the last two years that he rode. Last year, he had fourth in the Giro after a wonderful performance throughout three weeks. He started off very well with some trial and kept it up with support of the team of Quickstep the entire way through. This year, he goes to the Giro. He's in a bit of a mixed leadership position where on paper and in the media and so forth, it's Almeida, but the first climbing stage that starts, he kind of bottles it himself, but the team also doesn't completely support him from that point onwards at all, which I somewhat understand because if you lose four minutes and a half, on the first uphill test, I would be like, okay, perhaps I wouldn't support you either after that. But he came back from that and ended up having one of the better third weeks of the entire Grand Tour when it comes to GC riders. I think twice second up in Imera and Segariala after Bernal and the other one, Yates. So two great performances there and his time trial at the end as well. So the three-week performance for Almeida seems to be better this year than last year because last year he was losing time in the third week. Now he was gaining time on people and he still finished sixth after having a terrible first week, basically. So I'd say that that's his benefit, that he has a consistency over three weeks right now to say that he's a good GC rider and is still very young, 23, so is likely to grow from this point onwards. Now, the opposing point is, the one that we've spoken about quite a few times this year, he doesn't win much. He's won one race and it's the ITT of his country, which is... And sees I, I almost count. never count them. They don't count. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm waiting for a victory. And it's a bit Kelderman-like right now, despite me thinking that he has more potential to win one than a Kelderman. He has so many top 10s in stages this year. It's crazy. Like UAE Tour alone, four top 10s at the UAE Tour. Uh, Tirreno Adriatico, three top 10s. Catalonia, three top 10s. But 
He's quite quick, but I think it's a great signing for UAE. I'd assume for it's through 2026, so he'll be... That's a while, right, to bet on a rider? Yeah, he'll be 28 when it finishes. I think it's fine. Um, surely they'll have clauses and insurance if he gets injured or crashes mm-hmm. out or whatever. And I, I think he's the best GC prospect of the, in this transfer window. I think, say he develops into his full potential and he could have been a threat to Pogaccia at the Tour de France, well, you've now signed him. So yep. <laughs> it's, it's like Port, Port being on Froome's team. And even if he doesn't hit that top, top potential, Benji, as a domestique, yep. he's still going to be excellent for Pogaccia. I think Pogaccia had a domestique issue still in the Tour, Almeida. I think... Like, if I'm thinking of who could actually shred a GC group or really thin it out and do a long pull, Almeida's one of those riders. And how much is he on? It's got to be over $8 million minimum total for the total contract. That's probably being conservative as well. So I think that's a fine signing. Um, you know, if you uh, are you disappointed from like a Almeida's Palmares perspective, Benji? Because, I mean, he. Didn't get much leadership, clear leadership. Well, actually did get leadership at this year or last year at mm-hmm. Quickstep. He's going to get even less opportunities at, at UAE or are they going to split him and now you have Paranese, mm-hmm. Almeida, Tirreno, Adriatico, Pagaccia. Actually, I think that his opportunities rise a tiny bit because on first note, you'd expect, well, his opportunities are lower because Pogacar is there. But if you look at the grand scheme of things, at Quickstep, he did have support in the Giro, but... The support wasn't insane this year, for example. Last year, he had decent support throughout the three weeks, but he doesn't have the climbers in that team to support him all out for that Grand Tour. Now, he didn't get the Tour de France at any point at Quick Step, and I don't think that's going to happen at UAE either. But the difference is that I think he has more support in the Giro than this time around at UAE. And next to that, I expect him to be leader at one Grand Tour, likely the Giro, and be supportive of the likes of Bogatra and another Grand Tour. But then we hear news from, I think, Piper last week in a Velo News article where he was speaking about the future of Bogatra. They're planning that out. And most likely he's defending his title at the Tour de France next year. I would personally expect him to do the Vuelta after that, but apparently that's not really planned. Apparently the plan is to have a year somewhere in the future, next three years or something, where he does the Giro and the Vuelta. And... If Pogacar does the Giro and the Vuelta, then that does offer an opportunity for someone like Almeida to step in and take the Tour under his control. So Pogacar seems to be of the idea that he doesn't want to be in that Tour de France mindset of the likes of a Froome, who went for every Tour de France every year, and he wants a year where he wants to do Giro-Vuelta because that fits best to try and win both. And if that's the case, then it does offer opportunities for someone like Almeida, I think. And you look at, you know... Raphael Mike is about to get GC leadership at the Vuelta in this weekend yeah. in UAE. So Almeida is better than him. So he should get some opportunities. He's just, if he wanted to win the Tour de France and that was his lifelong goal and he wanted to maybe get paid even more if he took a bet on himself, then this probably isn't the right place. But I don't think it's, yeah, I think it's fine. And as I've thought about it more, I think he will get, should get a lot of opportunities because honestly, UAE are not really a good team. Apart wow. from apart from Pogaccia, <laughs> they barely win any World Tour races. They've got one other World Tour win with Dombrowski. Okay, you've got some Ulysses True. Slovenia wins gifted by Tade Pogaccia to him. They're not a good team outside of Pogaccia. 
there. I would say Israel Startup Nation, better team than UAE if you take the Gatra out of the equation, which is a big if. The point is they're trying to, I think, win some other races, and that's why we now have the signing, which we'll move on to, of Pascal Ackerman. I've heard it's like $1.5 million a year, I think, for a two-year deal, which is like an outrageous overpayment through 2023 for a guy that's – um, I think he hadn't. He's not really won the only race he's won this year at Sibiu Tour, which is like against. Um, I, I like the race, but Sibiu Tour and it's it's all it's a two one and Setimana D one three stages um, against Jonathan Restrepo and Sepp Van Mark came third. So really says it all about his his winning this year. I did a video about how I actually thought yeah, a lot of it was his leadouts fault this year. But that's not changing at UAE, Benji. That's why I hate this signing because who do you see as being his lead out next year at UAE? They don't really have a good one unless it's going to be the Milano sort of Gaviria friction again. Yeah, we have to look at riders that aren't necessarily already proper lead outs. Like you say, at Milano, yeah, Gaviria's not re-signing yet. We don't know about it yet where Gaviria is going. So at this point, Milano seems to be the rider that is uh, – perhaps the lead out for him, but they've also got this young signing, Felix Grosch, and that is a 22-year-old that they signed this year, came from Ratna de Rose and was a trainee already uh, at this point, actually, from start of August at UAE, and he did some decent sprinting results in county-level races last year, the likes of uh, Dokole Mazovshe, and that is two victories blatantly at, honestly, some of the top county sprinters. So, the level between Conti sprinting and Welter sprinting is notable, but it's not something that you can't overcome with training. The guy is 22, so he can definitely grow. So perhaps him in a lead-out position would work. He's also German, so they can talk to each other. <laughs> that's I'm pretty sure help. they speak English at UAE. Yeah, okay. Germans speak good English. <laughs> They're like our third biggest audience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean, well, okay? Ackerman came from Radnos. Radnet really? Rose, C- yeah, Conti team in 2016, Tabora. He rode there together with Grozden or what? Because Groz rode there as well in nah, 2016. He would, really? He would have been like five years old. <laughs> he actually rode there, not even kidding. Wow, so they actually rode on the same team back in 2016. That is, okay, that definitely makes sense. He's been <laughs> yeah, signed as a leader. Exactly. Ackerman. Okay, we've done some good research there. I think... Um, yeah, it's an overpayment. UAE, do they care about money? If, if he just picks up a Grand Tour stage, which I still think, like Ackerman, I think Bora kind of stuffed it this year with him. Like I still think he would have been capable of winning a stage at the Tour, um, but they sort of won with Pollard and Conrad anyway. I think at the Vuelta, he's capable of picking up a stage, but he's not going. And I think he can still pick up a stage because as we just said about Armada, they can't set Pogaccio to three Grand Tours. Surely they're going to try and maybe send like Three lead out men and Ackerman plus three guys and Almeida to Giro Welter or something like that. But it's a steep price to pay. I think it's is he the best sprinter on no, no. Bennett Bennett for a guy to win without a train, without a De Kernick level train, Bennett's clearly the man. Um mm-hmm. yeah. why do, why do you think like are you surprised Bennett because he could have got more money, I think, at UAE Benji, why he went back to Bora? Like, do you even think Bora have a better train set up for Bennett than UAE? Yeah, it's a it's a good question. I feel like I don't actually know the answer to why Bennett would go to Bora instead of UAE here and Akaman would go to UAE. 
Well, I think that Ackerman, obviously, yeah, he, he has leading. to leave Bora, so he can't go to Bora. <laughs> so he, he was a team that he had to go to then. And if that's the case, then Bennett is going to to Bora. What, what if, for example, Bennett went to UAE? Where would Ackerman have gone? <laughs> yeah, well, I think maybe that's what happened. Maybe the maybe Ackerman, like when he when they told him he wasn't going to the tour or before then, his agent, they've all dealt you know, negotiated the deal with UAE, that's all locked up. Then the Bennett stuff's blown up a bit later, so the timing works where the UAE already have like an in-principle agreement with yeah, Ackerman. Yeah. Maybe that's what happened. The last UAE signing we're going to talk about, which I don't I don't like, I already went on, on a bit of a Twitter rant about it, is Mark Soler to UAE uh, for through 2023. So not long, long deals. I think that's, that's not so bad, like Ackerman and, and Soler through 2023, but... Yeah, he's on, I think, low 1.1 1. 1, 1. to 1.3 million. I've heard various rumors, so like a lot of money per year for Mark Soler, 27 years old. He hasn't been on the podium on GC of a stage race in three and a half years. He is, in my view, budget Patrick Conrad. And if you told, <laughs> if you told someone... Patrick Conrad's going to get 1.2 a year for two years. You like you out of your fucking mind, like. Uh, but if you look, at Patrick Conrad, I would say is, yeah, maybe even better than Soler in terms of uh, you know mountain trained domestic duties. Dylan Turns is better. I see Mark Soler is just a good, a good stage hunter. He right. irregular irregularly wins stages. Romandy this year, Welter last year, and that's it. What, or I, am I underrating him, Benji? I think that I I wouldn't call him a great stage hunter because half of the time that he goes in the breakaway, he oversteps himself too early and bottles it by just exploding and imploding himself just a bit later. Now, he does have the ability to win stage. We saw that. You spoke about it just a second ago. But I agree with you on the majority of things you say. I would have tons of other riders that are currently available that I'd pick over Soler as a domestique for one of my riders because... He's just inconsistent and he's inconsistent both on that factor of being in the breakaway and ability to win those stages, but also when it comes to supporting other riders, he was inconsistent. Whenever he got the opportunity to lead something, he ended up being consistent throughout the Grand Three. He had crashes as well, but he can't really, well, the majority of them were unlucky and not necessarily caused by himself. But in all honesty, I think that there's better options out there. I think you had one written out. A few days ago, Carlos Verona. Carlos Verona, yeah. So, if I think the counterpoint to that is, oh well, they want they want to get wins. They want to pick a rider who can do Tour de France domestic duties for Pagacha, and then also pick up wins throughout the year. It's like, well, Mark Soler doesn't win that much. Like, okay, he got Romandy stage, etc. A lot of guys win a world tour, one world tour stage a year. Like, I know he's been on well, but like Leonard Kamner is like a, a higher level version of, of Soler. Um, if you actually want someone to just be a good domestique and consistent to be able to ride medium mountain, to ride the base of high mountain, to ride the valleys afterwards, Carlos Verona on Movistar, I mean, money's no issue, but he'd just be a better option at the Tour de France. It, like, Bagasha needed someone like well, he didn't really. He won by like ten minutes, but he might need <laughs> he might need someone like Carlos Verona uh, rather than Soler. Like, yeah, I just I know I'm I'm roasting him a little bit, but 
I just remember the the base of I think Volta two thousand this year yeah. on the false flat section when Dennis is pulling the pelotons fifty men deep. Solaire just stops pedaling on the false flat. Yeah, question. Like, yes. Is everything surrounding Solaire perhaps a cause of the Movistar mentality that they had? No, I don't think so. I think on his best day, Benji, on his best day, he's still not like a watts per kilo monster. He's still yeah. not a guy I can see who will day in, day out pull, um, you know, do good pulls. I think he's just an aggressive like stage hunter who's a really good descender who's good in wet conditions he won gc paranese it's often cold that romandy stage he won was really nasty downhill sort of attack he won his welter stage is a downhill attack he wins on his his last two wins and they're at world tour level the downhill attacks so you saw in the in the welter last year in the uphill finish against godu godu wrecked him um yeah. i think on stage 11 to fatapona so, no, I think maybe – I mean, at the Giro this year, he got unfettered leadership. I think he might, you said he might have crashed out, but still he's not – still wasn't looking that good. But, yeah, I just think I – I just think there were better riders out there and I think the people think I, – I, it also just annoys me when, for whatever reason, just because he won Paranese three and a half years ago, which, by the way, Paranese, if you win on the last stage, like – because Simon Yates, it's a weird last stage. It's not really that relevant to Grand Tour stages three and a half years later. Yeah. I just think he's getting overpaid and there's other riders who get underpaid for whatever reason. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, do you, am I making a mountain out of a molehill, Benji, or do you think there's a chance next year they slap him in the Tour de France team and it actually becomes a problem if Roglic is on? Hmm, I think that, I think that you're not making mountain out of a molehill here. That's a good expression, by the way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, I think that you're right in the majority of things you say, if not all. And I just don't see this man. First of all, it's a man that has complained before about the opportunities he gets. He won't get opportunities here for the stuff that he wanted to. So he had opportunities at Grand Tours at Movistar. He likely won't get that now because you've got Almeida, Pogacar, and even McNulty, who I'd rate higher right now as a GC compatriot than a Solaire, for example. So, yeah, he won't have that. So, indeed, he has to look at other things as opportunities. But I think this is a perfect example of being in the point of a career where it hasn't all worked out perfectly. He's now 27. Perhaps this is the moment where he says to himself, UAE wants to give me a lot of money to do work for somebody. And in all honesty, this is the moment in my career where I might be best doing so because... In three, four years, people might not be so vigilant to to pay me so much money to do something like that. So, yeah, if I'm 27 as a rider, I'm going to start thinking about my future as well. And I think it, that's a factor in this. It's a smart deal from him. Good point. Like, 100%, like good on him for getting the money. I, I want to also, I should have said at the start, I don't begrudge any rider for going and getting the best deal possible I do the, the money. I <laughs> Yeah, I would 100% take the deal. Soler did. I 100% take the deal. Almeida did. Um, I just, I just more say it from the team's perspective, like, oh, is the team making a mistake here? And I think, I don't think we're going to see a blow up like we, you know, there is fault on the Movistar management, the mixed messages they provided to Soler. Yeah. I don't think we're going to see a blow up like we did at the tour or whatever when he threw his hands in the air with Pagacha because, like, 
he, is Tadej Pogacar going to ride for him? I think the issue is more what Benji alluded to. Is he going to be happy riding for Brandon McNulty at Catalonia or Almeida at Catalonia? Guys he maybe thinks he is on the level of. Uh, that's where I think there could be issues. But, yeah, Mark Soler signing, not not that great, I don't I don't think. Uh, exits from UAE, Christoph and Bistrom, two Norwegians to Intermarche. Christoph, we just saw an Arctic race. Um, he didn't pick up a stage, got beaten by Martin Lass in a sprint. He's a little bit older now. I think he's – how old is Christoph? He's like 33, 34. 34 is my guess, but I don't know. 34, one-year deal. I like it. A one-year deal, I think, for Christoph at 34 is fine for Intermarche, Benji. I, I can't criticize it at all. In fact, I think it's quite good. Yeah, I think it's a good move as well. It's also the kind of rider that can step up their results, definitely. I think that even being at that age and not performing the best of his career definitely right now, he still is the rider that out of nowhere can suddenly win him to him. Like, that is Kristoff. Just out of nowhere, he can win something like that. And that can be a, a value of a team like that. But also in the smaller races, because in races like, I don't know, Euro Metropole Tour, those one-day races in Belgium where they want to show their team, that's where a Christoph can do stuff as well. And the only thing that I'm doubtful about in that Intermarché transfer is what are they going to do when it comes to a lead-out for Christoph? Because we know that Bistrom is following, but Bistrom's normally not the rider ahead of Christoph. He's normally the rider two or three riders ahead of Christoph. So who at Intermarché could be a lead-out for him? That's a very good question. I'm... I'm thinking about ah, it's boy, very hard. Boy, boy Van Poppel, Baptist Blancard, but nah, like <laughs> the Vrind. The Vrind was a rider that I proposed as a lead out last week on a Discord chat somewhere that they should try out because he does have the abilities of doing that, but he's so inconsistent at just finishing races. He DNFs like fifty percent of the rides he does, and especially in twenty 2020 twenty and twenty nineteen. In 2019, like 90% of the one-way races, he rode DNF'd. And perhaps that's because he was at a point in the race where it's not worth finishing anymore. But it just doesn't show a wonderful Palmares, does it? But uh, yeah. Mate, if he was Australian, he would not have a World Tour contract. The amount of Belgians rocking around with World Tour <laughs> contracts through 2022, I'm like, how? The, how? But um. Yeah, like I said, if there was a, some Italian pro Conti teams say the same thing. But yeah, I think that's that's fine business for Intermarche, although we don't know uh, the salaries, but it's one year, whatever. Just a word on our show partner, Lacole. They produce performance cycling apparel manufactured at the base of Monte Grappa headquarters in London. They've supported the podcast since the Giro d'Italia last year. Just to let you know, there's one week left to complete their Rival Your Limits Strava Challenge to be in with the chance of winning a Wahoo Element Rival watch. You just need to record four hours of activity, I think, by this Friday to also earn a reward and the increased chance of winning. They have a massive Strava club, local. They always have deals going on there, like discount codes, etc. And as well as to let you know that Lacola supporting Joss Loudon, who's announced that she's going for the women's hour record this year. That seems to be in the works. So stay tuned or maybe follow Drops Lacole on Instagram if you want to stay abreast of that news. On to the big ones, Benji. Now we've got UAE Bora Hansgrower. Sagan exits and a lot of salary comes off the books with his entourage, Daniel Oss, Bodnar, 
and his media people leaving as well, perhaps more salary than even I thought, uh, given the signings they've been making. Uh, we'll talk about the incomings first. I want to start with one that I like personally, Marco Haller to Bora through 2024. Don't know the, the, the sum, but um, I think it's a really good signing. He's 30 years old. I really liked his domestique work in the Dauphiné where he didn't have too much support. Tenth at E3, G1 for a time with turns at Tour of Flanders. I think it's a great signing both for leadouts, both for train control and stage races, and then to help Pollitt and co at Paris-Roubaix. I think so as well. I think he's a rider that has performed very well in one-day races this year. Honestly, his Tour of Flanders result does not display the strength he showed in that race because I swear he was much better than the 40 that is on that page. Wasn't he in like that group with... with yeah. Turgi and so forth? He's with MVDP, Asdrin, Alaphilippe, and Turgi. How did he end 40th? <laughs> I don't <laughs> know. Like, nope, I'm done. <laughs> anyway, good result there. Uh, at least good race, not a good result on paper, but 10th in E3 as well. So he can perform really well in those races. I have not really checked their cobble steam for next season, but I'm guessing that Paul is still the leader for that, just missing that Sagan. Although Sagan was not at top level in those races this year due to his covid stuff uh yeah i think that it's a good addition for the cobble team like you said for the elite outs as well i think that he's a good domestique and i think that he's not necessarily a great climber but on hilly terrain he can survive and if he can survive a bit he can work for people there so i don't think he's he's gonna be paid an incredible much i think he's kind of the 2018 Drucker at bmc back in the day that kind of rider where he could also do well in one-off races, but also support the team in other places. And that's why I like the Haller transfer as well. You know, there's sometimes you have the best sprinter on the day. It's all lining up well for you, but you just don't have someone to control a late attack in the last 8Ks. You need someone to do the dirty work and a shell the preche when a strong ruler attacks. That's where I see Marco Haller in that shell the preche team for Bora with Sam Bennett. Um, just doing that sort of work. Uh, maybe easy. Maybe they even want him to be third last man uh, in their lead yeah. out as well. But now the the bigger Bora signings. Well, are they all big? Are any of them really big, Benji? Jai <laughs> yeah. Henley to Bora through twenty twenty four. Vlasov through twenty twenty four. Agita as well. Uh, we'll do the GC boys first. Henley, Vlasov, Agita. Vlasov announced this morning. Do any of them fill you with joy? <laughs> Flazov fills me with joy always. I think that Flazov has had a decent run so far in his career. He started off at the Giro last year, got ill in the first week, so that's not really the, the best representation of a good run so far. Then he started off the Vuelta, still having effects of that illness apparently, because everybody keeps pointing at that as the cause of his bad day on day one. But I haven't seen actual proof that that was the case. But nonetheless, he came back from that in the second week and the third week and ended up 11th despite a very bad, bad day at day one. So 11th eventually in his first proper Grand Tour that he finishes. Then the second one he rides was this year, the Giro, where he ends fourth after a relatively consistent Grand Tour this season. His rides this season were consistent, but you said it off camera to me. It's a soft schedule and you're very much true when it comes to that. And that is where the slight doubt lies because he has not been fighting against the likes of Pogacar and Roglic properly this season, except for at Paris-Nice, I think, where he wasn't climbing that well on on the last few stages. I think Sharkman was climbing better on one of the climbs, right? 
Yeah, I think I hate de-signing Sabora. I think Bora, <laughs> someone said it in, in my Discord, they're, they're like Tottenham when Gareth Bale left or got the Gareth Bale money. Like, Vlasov's been dropped on every single mountaintop finish this year. Yeah, but he can podium with- a Grand Tour. Okay. And I don't see that in Hindley, and I don't <laughs> see that in uh, who else was joining again. Higita, of course. The Vlasov one I don't hate. It's fine. It's fine. He can podium a Grand Tour. He might have podium the Giro with a few things going his way. That's fine. Hindley, like, if you look at his career as a whole, the Giro last year is the aberration. And I think you look at how he's gone this year, I don't know what they're paying him. I presume it's it's a fair chunk of change for a guy that's DNS. sorry, he's DNF'd three of his four stage races this year, saddle sore issues. He's 25. He's not like he is who he is. He's not going to just like improve so much. The guy's probably been riding 20,000 Ks a year for like six, seven years. Like he is who he is and you're going to give him big money through 2024. You've got uh, who else they signed. Uh, they've got Bookman through 2024, Kelderman. Angie, you know how many pro wins Bookman, Kelderman, Hindley, Igita, Vlasov have in 2021? Zero. <laughs> and they're probably paying five million euro salary to guys who had zero wins this year. Uh, maybe I don't know what, maybe more salary. And it's like, and and that's not the biggest problem I have with it. It's because they're all signed through twenty twenty four. And you know who? These are the riders that come up for renewal or available before twenty twenty four and twenty twenty two and twenty twenty three. Carapaz, Bernal, Pidcock, Yates brothers, Roglic, Matthew Van der Poel, and I think like. This is a superstar sport. If you want to consistently have guys podium in Grand Tours, you need Carapaz, Bernal, Pogaccio, Roglic. And you've now counted yourself out of three of those riders. I presume unless Bora Hansgrohe have a great couple of years and want to inject another five million into the team. So that's why I hate it. I would have done a I would have signed Vlasov. I wouldn't have signed Hindley. Igita, I kinda of like Igita. Um yeah. I would have gone into a bit of a holding pattern and just waited. If there's no one available, just wait and go with Bennett full train for TDF. Uh, but um, do you think, yeah, yeah, like what are you, I haven't asked you about your, what are your thoughts on Igita? Is that, uh, you know, a bit of a better signing? I find Igita a good signing. I like the rider. He's the type of rider I can climb really well. He has not had a crazy run in a ground tour yet for actual GC. But I like him to try that in a Velta first before he tries that in a another race. I think he's better for the one-week races where he can, for example, in a Catalonia or something where he's got that uphill finishes, but also that he needs that punch in the last kilometer to try and uh, follow a Pogacar or a Roglic. That's where Higita can somewhat follow. I don't think he'll beat them on the uphill, but he'll definitely be in the top five. And that's what I like about this rider and... He's won a Vuelta stage, if I recall correctly, two years ago, 2019. Yeah. And this year he was close to a Giro stage until he collapsed on Tinia. Um, But in all honesty, I expect that he will be able to one win stage and to perhaps offer something in a Grand Tour for somebody. But I think he was a decent domestique as well in the Tour for Uran, but... Yeah, he was just better than Ron in certain stages. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I think uh, he came seventh on Luzardan. Very, very inconsistent. He hasn't won in Europe for two years. Yeah, uh, for a guy who's very fast as well, which is kind of surprising. 
That being said, he gets sent to a hard schedule like look, yeah. UAE, Toronto, MSR, Basque Country, uh, Amstel Flesh Liège, Tour de France, Olympic Road Race. That's literally the hardest schedule you can do. And I'm sure if they sent him to, you know, well to Andalusia, he'd be cleaning up a stage or two. I, I I like it. I think Bora got good performance staff. They get the most out of their riders. And um, I think him as a Grand Tour GC rider is just not – I just don't see yep. his TT's trash. And um, Only the Vuelta on a typical Vuelta parkour. Yeah. But like, then you've got other options in the team. So it's likely not going to happen. They got to give him the chance at the Vuelta, Benji. He can actually win stages. If it's like a 15K TT <laughs> max, then come on. Like, yeah, but Kelderman Brooklyn don't win. Rogic this year, you've got Ogachar likely doing a Vuelta at some point in the first three years. You've got a Yuzo right. coming up, my friend. <laughs> Kidcock, <laughs> Kidcock winning this year. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just, I, I'm not sure if teams have said before Bor have said before if their goal is to sign the top superstars they've literally done the opposite of that this uh transfer window in respect of gc riders and i wonder if they've hamstrung themselves for signing those true superstars in 2022 and 2023 but let what us know if, down below what do you think of of these signings am i roasting them a little bit too hard sorry Benji. what if it's part of a master plan like you proposed what if it's part of a master plan they're all domestiques bring them all together as super <laughs> domestiques and then sign the roglic in the next two years <laughs> i actually thought that before i was recording i was like that's the most 5000 iq big brain who's good at writing pace Kelderman, <laughs> yeah i mean maybe but i think i think you can get some guys cheaper cheaper than that <laughs> for the next couple of years oh yeah that is hilarious well maybe egg on my face if that is the case the signing I do like is Bennett. Yeah. I think it's very, very curious from Bennett's perspective, but from Boris' perspective, it's a fantastic signing. Bennett, he's top two sprinter in the world. He is capable of winning Grand Tour stages can regularly, multiple in a year, without a train. Quick step effect, I know, you know, quick step effect is a real thing, Viviani, Gaviria, etc. Cavendish. At Bora in 2019, Benji, he won stages with little train. And I think he's having knee surgery apparently, so his knee is kind of a problem. Yep. Um, but I in principle, the, I like the signing. Do you – yeah, what do you think of it? I actually have the percentages here when it comes to the victories that, oh, he, really? had, that he has ben, versus Benji's the sprints he wrote. I, I, I prepped this like a few <laughs> weeks ago. Keep in mind that these percentages do not – Consider the race situation. So if he, for example, starts a sprint in 12th position or 15th position, this doesn't count that. If he rode a sprint, how many percent of the sprints he rode, he won. That's these percentages. Bennett won 70% of the sprints he rode in 2021, 35% last year at the Koenig, and in 2019, 42%. So between 2019 and 2020, there's barely a difference there. And I think that this year was just phenomenal when it comes to the Mirko uh bennett duo because they just kept on beating They're everybody outrageous. this year <laughs> but like honestly in 2019 40 40 win rate on on the sprints you right that's pretty fucking great and and it's it's not like yeah it's not like he had a team and bing bang tour that was all destroying when it comes to the lead out so he he performed very well there and was one of the best sprinters that year you look at the steep drop-off at the Tour and the sprint field competition once Ewan and Merlier leaves. I have Ewan, Ewan Bennett 
then a yep. gap, Merlier gap to Ackerman and all the rest and Cavendish and Co. Um, I think, yeah, Bennett's quality and I don't know what they're paying him, but yeah, it's not even that long a deal, Benji. It's only two years, so he's 30 years old. It's not like they're paying a sprinter for a five-year deal where he could be really bad the last two years. Maybe, yeah, what's weird to me, Benji, though, what is weird, right, is, and I know Benji and I obviously think Lefebvre's comments, Lefebvre's comments were disgusting the other day. Um, and we, before even that article, Benji and I, I think we did a, a podcast being like what he's saying about Bennett is borderline defamatory like two months ago or six weeks ago. Um, and so, yeah, obviously the way Lefebvre has handled himself is terrible. That being said, it is curious the return to Bora. He left under a bit of a acrimonious circumstances in 2019 because he didn't. they chose Ackerman. They just according to Ackerman, lied to Ackerman about going to the, promising him the tour. Yeah. And now Bennett's going back to Bora. I think Rudiger Zerlig is leaving without too much lead out. So do you even think, like, are you seeing a potential for another blow up if they take their cast of second tier GC guys to the tour and no Bennett? Well, we see today in the Vlasov signing, uh, well, because I don't know when this video is going to be uploaded, but when we are recording this, this is on the day that Vlasov signed for Bora, which means that in the press release, they're talking about the Tour de France as being the goal for Vlasov. So if that is the case, then you'd likely have a team supporting Vlasov at the Tour de France. And you've got Bennett, who likely won't have crazy support then, because, I don't know, they won't fit a five-man sprint train in the Tour Germans de France Germans get priority team. at that Vlasov's team. not German... <laughs> <laughs> but, but like Schachman, if he wants to go, he goes. Bookman, if he wants to go, he goes. And yeah. Kamner as well. Um, do you think they'll commit to Vlasov, give him a, a five-man support? I think he's the best GC rider on the team. Yeah, true. I mean, it makes sense. I think I what see... Do you think pro- of, yeah, sorry. sorry, go on. What do you think of like the support for Bennett in the sprints here at Bora? Bad. I think it's bad the support i think their their lead out that they brought through from you know the the conti days i love those guys i love that story they're all getting a little bit older uh schwarzman i think and Schilling, schillinger i think's retired poor guy because he had that crash and he's retiring at the end of the year so that that squad of veteran lead out guys are leaving or disbanding and he's bringing danny van poppel has he ever done a lead out in his life probably overpaying for him because he is a sprinter at uh, into Marche and yeah, don't <laughs> remains to be seen whether he can do a lead out. Ryan Mullen, <laughs> he's been signed because he's Sam Bennett's mate and he's Irish. He's probably like Deborah. I think if you sign a quick, like the best one of the best sprinters in the world, Sagan or Bennett, you obviously have to then sign their best friend or brother. Like they, they don't come as you don't have to come as a package. You can just say, Hey, Sam. We're signing you. We don't think like no. I'm sure Ryan Mullen's <laughs> a nice guy, but come on, like, if, you, if you're going to have him as your man at 3Ks in the lead out, so I worry for Sam Bennett um, next year. So that's my answer, Benji. I'm a bit concerned about Martin Lars, I think, is the best last man. Martin Lars, UAE for Ackerman, I thought, did some good lead outs. Ackerman just stuffed them. He's, like, I don't want to say, I'm not saying slow. I'm saying he has a steadier acceleration than someone yeah. like 
Danny Van Poppel. Merkel so, style. Like, yeah. Merkel is not explosive in his leadouts, but 100%. he has a way to worm his way through the group and he finds a way through the group more through intelligence than through pure power. And I think Laws, like you mentioned, is more of a type of rider that does that, while Van Poppel feels more surgy to me. I am going to say an atrocious comparison, but you know, Van Der Poel, when he does a lead out, he's very surgy. And that's causes the sprinter that he's in front of to always be on a bit of a gap, going into a corner, be caught behind another rider suddenly because the other rider, the lead out was a bit too fast. And if Van Poppel does the same, has such an explosive sprint, then that could be troublesome as well, you know? So that's how I see that aspect and i agree laws would probably be a good option but i also want to see Jordi Meus again to try and have him as a lead out a bit more because he big has guy. decent lead outs the big guy like you said and i think he has had the weakness all year where his he has weakness on hills it seems a bit but then you've got a result in provence where he's good on the first hill uh heli finish so it's a bit inconsistent in that aspect but obviously you don't get a lead out to get over the hills obviously it's handy if they do but <laughs> <laughs> well that's the uh, thing Sagan would have won easier at Catalonia but Mayos couldn't do a lead out I think as Benji said so yeah he's got to work I mean he's a big boy so maybe I think he, he's going to be better at, at shell the prey style races anyway um, if, if Bora can have Le- Martin Lars Mayos and Co and Hala at Shelter Prey's working I think if Ewan's not there he cleans that up by three bike lengths to be first honest. barrier is he not a better option at the job that Mullen is supposed to do? Yeah, of course. <laughs> well, controlling like a break breaks in the last ten k's. Yeah. Yes, obviously. Okay. So, I don't know, <laughs> mate. I'm not the one that signed him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he doesn't get put in the same team. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, Bora. Speaking of the man who's leaving Bora, I've already done a long video about it. Um, Peter Sagan, Benji, your 30-second take on his move to Total. Mine was actually not that bad. I think that Sagan can offer results for Total that they currently don't have. They are unable to win a Pro Tour race right now. They're unable to win World Tour race. I think he can win several Pro Tour races and perhaps one to four World Tour races. I think he can offer a top five result in a monument somewhere unexpectedly, like in San Remo this year after his COVID adventure. and. In all honesty, I think that it's a good, a good signing. But the problem is, it's obviously a marketing signing because they're doing it for the marketing. And you made a video on it that the marketing was a bit of a flop the first day around. So um, <laughs> if people haven't seen that yet, check out the Lantern News YouTube channel because uh, that video was quite an enjoyable watch. But um, I always feel like I am more of the viewpoint of a results-based transfer kind of person. And I believe that with 8 million, you can probably, well, my guess is that it's around 8 million somewhere, the contract. And I'd be able to probably find cheaper people that could get the same amount of results. Yeah, pro, uh, maybe. I don't know. I think it's also when you're a pro Conti team, it's about you're, you're basically buying the, in, the Sagana salary buys you the invite in theory to the Giro. But nah, <laughs> maybe they that. don't. Uh, are they going to invite Totala to the Giro? I don't know about that. Well, that's what they think. They're signing him because they think it's going to buy them an invite to all these races. I don't see it happening. Like do I. I don't see it happening. <laughs> they, it's more political, the Italian sphere of, of wild cards. Androni <laughs> very, is likely going to be... 
and I don't think Total fits in the Italian politics. <laughs> Maybe they are. I don't know. It's yeah. Um, <laughs> I think it's a fine signing. I don't really because it's, if it's for, it was for five years, I'd be like, you're out of your mind. But two years, whatever. Um, a couple of other announcements as we've been recording: Alvaro Hodge to UAE, which is kind of hilarious. Like, I can't wait to see uh, if they re-sign Gaviria, Hodge, Milano, and Gaviria all in the same sprint train, sprinting side by side. That would be pretty funny. Um, wait, to which team? Alvaro Hodge to UAE from Quickstep. <laughs> kind, of fun, kind of funny, right? <laughs> this is what Quickstep do, right? They get him to win a rant. He hasn't. He's he's had a terrible time as a young guy. He's twenty four, but they get him to win a stage at Tour de Land, like a two one race, and like, yeah, yeah, Alvaro's back. And then they promptly let him get signed somewhere else. UAE waste your money on him, seriously. <laughs> like, I think that Hodge is simply a, a slightly worse version of Milano right now. I know it's so weird his career, dude. Like, but stays- he had the crash, the I huge know. crash that caused the an upset for his entire career. And I would love to see him back at the level he was when he was battling it out against Ackermann in that to the Polonia in twenty eighteen. Eighteen and A long time ago. Twenty nineteen was good as well, to be honest. But yeah. those were not the top level races. And then we look at twenty twenty after the crash in twenty nineteen, and the results are average. He does get top trees a lot in that season and then this year happened then it just wasn't good so i don't know perhaps we're a bit too hard on him because the results aren't actually that bad but he's kind of an outsider sprinter you know he's like the roberto ferrari of like five years ago when it comes to result qualities i think i have a little bit of faith like if he if someone again it's so hard to know if you don't know the salaries if he'd taken like a, a lower deal somewhere taking a chance on himself and I'm, I get that. I like that because I think he's he's turning. He seems to have turned the corner a little bit, but um, but he also got beaten by Greipel in a sprint in in May. So it's like, yeah, I don't know why they signed him to be a lead out. I don't see that working particularly uh, well at UAE. Other ones, curious signings: John Denkold back to DSM on a three year deal, Benji. Three years, John yep. Denkold, thirty two years old. And he obviously had that terrible accident. Before that accident, which I think was in 2016, when he had the training accident at DSM, he'd won 40 races. And a lot of them are at World Tour level, two monuments through Bay MSR. Since then, in the last five years, he's won eight races, one at World Tour level. That Tour de France through Bay stage three years ago. And they're giving him a three-year deal are you surprised? Are you surprised by Den Cole, like getting that length of deal with the results he's had the last three years? For him, it's an amazing deal. Like yeah, realize it is fantastic. And with that team, he's likely in the races that he wants to be in, the likes of Paris Roubaix and such, and in sprinting opportunities in second grade races. Now, do I think it's a good signing for DSM? It's probably not as bad as it looks. Depends but on the right salary. now it looks bad. <laughs> like his 2020 was actually relatively good at the end of the season. Nine for the Tour of Flanders, six in Hindu Evelham. Those are good results for Lotto Sudal in 2020. And then we look at 2021 and it's not really that. It's top 30s in, in those one-day races. So if he can settle that back and find a way to get into top 15s in those one-day races again, he's going to be worth it. But I think he's also very valuable as a experienced guy in the team to 
teach the young kids a bit more because we know that DSM is basically a development team with a development team. So it's important to have an experienced rider in a development team to develop the young riders. And I think that's why I like the Degenkolb transfer in that vacuum of being an experienced rider, being able to give knowledge to younger riders that can become better over time. But I don't think he's going to have the greatest results. And it obviously depends on the salary they're giving him. But He won't be cheap. Sure. He, yeah. he, no way he's cheap. Probably not. But yeah, I wouldn't sign him. But I wouldn't sign him for three years. That's for sure. But yeah, I think that he's the kind of rider that you'd sign for like one more year, see what he does. And if he performs a result in the same way that Gilbert was semi-washed before he went to quick step again. That, that deal they gave Gilbert was horrendous as well. Lotto Sedal. <laughs> like what are they? It's so odd because they yeah, seem, to, I, I they seem to be a bit. Pardon? I meant, I meant before the, the deal of Gilbert to quick step, he was oh, also yeah, yeah. semi-washed semi the moment that he went to quick step, but then at quick step, he started getting results again. Sure, the quick step effect, but in all honesty, this is the kind of moment where you can have a one-year deal and see if he performs again. And as a consequence, he could relive the old days at DSM a bit. But Fears is a lot for DSM to put that into Degen Cole. But then again, I don't know. I think that he can offer secondary results like a top 15 somewhere in one-day races. But Jesus. is that what they're after? <laughs> In 2023-2024, Benji, who do you think will be a better rider at their style Eichhoff. of races? Degenkolb, Ekhoff, or Rasmus Tiller? Ekhoff and Tiller? Yeah, I think both of them would be better than him. Uh, so maybe maybe he's on a cheap deal and it's like more of the experience. I just think DSM so weird, Benji. It's literally yeah. like there's been a snap change in signing strategy. They went young, young, young. Lechtersund, Van Wilder, Brenner. In all signed up for 2020. And then they signed Bardet, 1.8 million or something. Denkolb, three year deal. And I'm like, why are we now, why have you gone back to giving long deals big money to guys who literally don't win, like World Tour races? Like Bardet hasn't won a, uh, anyway. Uh, I bet it's like, I bet it's just all down to like people that are leading the team thought about having youngsters first and they realized the new generation wants to have everything planned their way and as a consequence they're now angry at oh the new generation always wants to have things their way and leave the team early so we're gonna get old people again (laughs) (laughs) yeah it seems so strange it seems like there's been a snap shift in their signing strategy like really really odd they even haven't even gone the middle ground of like what Bora have done, they've just gone like, let's pay Bardet a lot of money, even though he hasn't won a World Tour race since 2017. All right. Well, he did now. Dovos ain't a World Tour race. Oh, yeah, fuck. <laughs> and, he, <laughs> and he might have cooked his Welter by Because the thing is, none of the other big Welter GC guys pushed that descent. He crashed. He's hurt his back. Maybe he's put himself into difficulty for the Welter. Speaking of young guys, uh, Finn Fisher Black from the Yumbo Visma development team poached by... UAE poached. poached UAE team Emirates uh, signed through 2024. He's 19 years old. He's born in 2001, which is <laughs> crazy. Came fourth at Balwaza Belgium Tour. Came third in that ITT. Uh, 18 seconds behind Remco. 16 behind Lampard, but there wasn't really too much behind him. But he's 19. Um, Otherwise, he's been racing like Settimana, Copy Bartoli, Andalusia without too many results. 
What do you think about the deal, Benji? He's obviously getting paid pretty handsomely. Do you see a possibility for him to be alongside Bjork at the Tour de France, maybe helping Pogacar in, say, 2023? 2024, perhaps. I think he's 19 right now. I don't think he'll be at the Tour de France in at the age of 21 yet. I think that he's a very talented rider. That New Zealand Cycle Classic is is a strong performance for a 19-year-old. Like the riders he's riding against are New Zealand riders, but a Corbin Strong is, for example, a talented individual as well. Seg Racing Academy, if I remember correctly, but I thought he was going somewhere. It's real start of nation. Three-year deal at Israel, yeah. Okay, I didn't even know that. Yeah. So he started beating, uh, well, he didn't beat him for the GC of that race, but two of the stages. And I think he wasn't the same team technically because they were riding for New Zealand, both of them in that race, I recall. Um, And... Throughout the rest of the races, he's kind of the, the rider that has that punch and a low-key sprint punch together with the ability of getting over hills and the time trial prologue ability of the thing he showed at Balwaza Belgium Tour, which was a really good time trial. A really good time trial. So I think that that is a result that I'm looking at and I'm like, okay, this man has talent at the age of 19. This is fucking strong. And I think that coming 22nd on Laguna Zanaya as a 19-year-old says a lot about the rider. Like, that is extremely strong. So I think that wow. he'll be top 15-ing, top 10-ing. He, he beat yeah. Ardea, Benji. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. He, he was with just behind Kai Fader. He beat Andre Ardea, Ardilla, 22-year-old on UAE who won Baby Giro in 2019 and it's kind of petered out. So, yeah, that's a good, good pickup from you. Sorry, go on. I think that this reminds me of, ooh, was it also Laguna Zenaya? Uh, Carlos Rodriguez in 2020 had a result, Laguna Zenaya 23rd, exactly the same. And that was also at the age of 19. So it seems like they're having a very similar growth rate. And I think that those two riders are having a very good future, Finn Fisher Black and Carlos Rodriguez. But uh, that's a bit of a comparison I have, but I don't think they're actually extremely similar in rider type i think well despite the fact that they can both climb and both time trial to the same abilities to get 22nd and 23rd on logan Zanaya, for example but i think that it's interesting to see that already on a 19 year old i think that is a very good signing and i think that at this point a, a deal like that until 2024 is definitely worth it for uae and definitely worth it for fisher black because he's going to be at a point in his career likely at that point where he has written results, if the progression continues. And right at the moment where he might be, I don't know, 2026 would be 2025, like max potential moment in his career, probably later even. So he's got plenty of time to choose his career throughout those three years. So I think this is a great signing for both sides. And I think that he is already on a team that is throwing money at people. What if he performs very well? He's going to get shown extensive contracts with a lot of money shown at him for the future as well while probably having decent growth in those years and then at 2024 he can decide what do i do do i stay at this team or do i go for opportunities in other teams and aim for actual wins everywhere but then the question is did he why did he go for two uae and not yumbo and i think this kind of reminds me of back in the day when cmc had a development team with sivakov yeah and BMC ended up just throwing away their dev team because people started stealing their their development riders and they weren't fast enough and didn't have enough money to sign them. And um, 
it's kind of reminding me of that, but I don't think Yumbo's salary is that horrendously low. So it could probably afford a Fisher Black, but I guess they weren't fast enough or did they actually no, no, no. pay That's so much for him? Normally with the development teams, if they're doing their, their homework correctly, you, the, the guys sign on to the development team and, and they grant a first rider refusal to um, the dev team if they get an offer from someone else. So say UAE comes in and they've offered him um, basically three and a half years, let's say it's at something stupid, 500 grand a year. So he's on you know one point. 1.75 for three and a half years. He has to take 1.75 for three and a half years to Yumbo Visma. And if they match it, he's got to sign with them. And so they, I'm presuming that should be the process they have in place with their dev team. They they didn't want to match it. So in which case, go get your money elsewhere. And, you know, Ayuso, Pagacha, McNulty, Covey, these guys are young, young. Like he, he's in a good spot. Uh, Ardil is the one guy that they're not developing very well at UAE, having yep. issues there. Um, so I don't think it's a guarantee that he'll have outstanding performance or development at UAE. I think Yumbo still have the edge in that regard in getting the most out of their riders, uh, in my view at least. Um, other young signing, similar though, another Oceana rider is Luke Plapp to uh, Ineos through 2024 on a deal, so a three-year deal that's mooted to be shy of 1 million euro total, not per year. He's not, if I'm looking through his Palmares, he's done the Men Junior Road Race. He came second in the Men Junior ITT back in 2019 when he was like, or 2018 rather, when he was 18 years old or 17 years old, uh, a minute 24 behind Remco ahead of Andrea Piccolo and beating Van Wilder. He's not raced a pro race yet i don't think yeah because stdu was not a pro race right this year they had that special classification yeah, it's a weird race i think that wasn't he the guy that won ahead of port or was just behind he, port he let port win on wollonga okay obviously he would have beaten port you know no he actually would have he sat up and okay like, he actually let <laughs> no seriously he caught back up to yeah. port and let him win yeah they're on the okay. same team okay 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 <laughs> but um what type of rider do you see in him knowing that we can't really see it from his palmares is it kind of a climber with TT abilities? Because the TT seems to be a strength looking at the Palmares of like junior racing and so forth. About 5'11", just shy of six foot, track guy. Ethan Hayter, similar model. Um, he's just been at the Olympics, right? He's, yeah, Ethan Hayter's sort of the, the model of him. Ineos are looking, they, they probably want to turn him into Thomas in like eight years. I would say it's their track guy project who's already showing that he can climb, dropping people on Wollonga. So he's doing Tour de l'Avenir apparently, it says on PCS. Be interested to see how he goes. Australia have a crazy strong team actually with Jared Drisner's Plap, Plowright, Turnbull, Rudy Porter, Thomas Benton. That's a really, really strong team. Um, so I'll be interested to see how he goes there. He's been at Inform, which are – Inform and work their Australian team, like development team. They're trying to – I think they had Gerens come on, or if I'm remembering it correctly, to like work as a pathway ambassador or something to get these young Aussies in the faces of world tour teams better or create a pathway. Mm-hmm. It's obviously happened with Platt. Maybe Paul put in a good word for him. But, yeah. Probably. I th- probably. Um, I don't know, Benji. It's, it's weird because he's 20. It's a three-year deal. He'll be learning for the first two years. Where's the you know? Are they going to get much value out of him in in this deal? I'm I'm not sure. Um, so. I guess we'll see at Avenir. 
We'll see. He's against Andres Camilla there, I think, as well. Are there any other signings that you've yeah, seen, Benji? And against and against the the monster team of Spain, Ayuso Romo Rodriguez. Holy! <laughs> well, well, I shouldn't be allowed to do. If, if you've raced a world tour race, you shouldn't be allowed to do Aven- to Lavanier. Like seriously, it's stupid. Like what? That team is so strong. <laughs> Why is all those guys just do Classica San Sebastian? Um, yeah, yeah that's, that, that's literally that team might be able to podium a grand tour next year if they were together <laughs> my god oh um, jesus christ anyway any other signings you've seen benji i just saw trek extended their classics team kia schleipensch simmons turns camp to you know 2022 or 2023 for the majority of them any any reaction to that are you surprised simmons the most talented out of those guys are you surprised he took a two-year deal uh, not really. I think that it's fitting in that team. I think that they supported him through his uh, semi-cancellation on social media the last year. And, well, obviously they didn't like what he did, but eventually they signed him back on to races and he has been offering results recently. I think, uh, what was the Belgian race again? Tour de Wallonie, was that the race? Oh my God, I don't know my Belgian races. But uh, he has performed well the last week and a half and I think that he's very talented. We saw it at Strade Bianche. The results might not show it, but he was very strong there. And he ended up puncturing and crashing in that race. And he didn't have luck at all in that race, but he can win a lot of stuff in the future. And he was the opposition of, what's his name? Brenner in uh, the youth categories. And they ended up winning everything. Just one guy won this thing and the other guy won the other thing throughout the entire season. So yeah, it's... Interesting to see that development, and it's interesting to see that he's now getting to a level where he can actually win stuff in uh in World Tour even in in the near future. So I'm uh I'm expecting wins there, honestly, and I think that he's a very strong rider that can do a lot of separate things. Although I was surprised, was it a one day race, couple race this year where he decided to attack at a certain point Flanders, and then completely I exploded? Him. Yeah, he went full spud and just <laughs> 80 k's out and then i think was it uh, seneschal went past him at like a thousand k's an hour on the climb with, with astro's <laughs> wheel it's like what the fuck are you doing so, i think he's got a, he's got a lot of confidence i think two-year deal is reflective of you know it's good deal for trek because they might get a monument podium out of this guy in that deal in the next two years so i think i'll be very surprised if they don't get multiple world tour wins out of him in that deal but for him, if you sign a three, four-year deal and you do get those results in the next two years, then you're probably going to get underpaid. If he's backing himself saying, I can get a monument podium, I can get world tour results, better to take a two-year deal and then at uh, 22 years old when that deal expires, get that big four-year deal as a top, you know, as a top 10 one-day rider. Um, so, yeah, I think he's Simmons remains pretty good. And it's a good business for Trek, I think. They've signed back Leapinch and, and Co. Those guys haven't been the problem. The problem this year has been Pedersen, really. Like, I think, yep. yeah, Pedersen just hasn't performed. But, yeah, any other deals, smaller ones that I've missed around the traps, Benji? One more I want to talk about. Binyam Girmay going to Anton oh, yeah. Marche. He was at Delco until May this year. I think you know better the story of how that kind of crashed that situation because how I saw it was differently than how it was in real life. I just simply thought that Anton Marche bought out the contract at Delco because he only re-signed 
like this year for four years until 2024 at Delco, but apparently there's more going on there, it seems. Well, I thought Delco were in some financial difficulties. I'm, I don't know. I remember reading it somewhere. Yeah. Uh, so maybe he was. They gave him the option to go elsewhere. Um, if they gave him a big deal, maybe he had a buy. Remember, we did, we had this big blow up, Benji, me and you, about oh, you know, he signed this long, long deal at, at Delco. This guy yeah. should be in in World Tour. And then the, the caveat to that was, well, does he have a buyout? And so. It looks like maybe he did have a buyout because he's now signed to Intermarche through 2024, which is good to see. Still 21 yeah, but years old. How is Intermarche the team that gets this guy? Like, he's really <laughs> talented. Lightweight Leon, ninth, that's a good result. And <laughs> how is Intermarche the team that gets this guy? He's the kind of rider that UAE, Ineos and such should be in the road to get. Like, I don't get it. I think Ineos have got. I think sorry. I think Intermarche have got more budget than people think. I think they actually pay up a little bit for riders. You know what they do, Intermarche? Uh, it's a supermarket, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, what's wanting go there? I've never seen an Intermarche in my life, and I live in Belgium. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Flanders and Wallonia yeah, don't true. speak to each other. So yeah, um, I have no idea what the other two sponsors are, but I think they pay a premium because riders don't want to go there because they probably don't have a good. They're not good, so like, wouldn't you? You know, people take a discount to go to Quickstep. Like, He's gonna have races, opportunities. That's for sure. They have to give him a lot of opportunities. He's racing for them today at Tour de Bologna. I think he's straight in. It's awesome. <laughs> what type of races do you think he's going to be good at? Knowing that he's both got good results on the hilly parkours, but they announced him as a classic rider because I think he was good in, was it Tour de Rwanda at some point? He uh, rode very well. And we know that the last stage in that is the Murikigali climb, which is that continuous cobble climb that they do like eight times or something. I vaguely remember that race from playing it on Pro Cycling Manager back in the day. But uh, yeah, I think that that shows that he might be able to do like a Brabant Sapel style race. I think Tour de Wallonie, he can be really yeah. good at. Yeah, so I think Belgian races, he's the man who back in the day, y'all remember 2018 stage one, Orbel de Mister Starvelot, he beat Remco Evenepoel. In, the, in a men's junior Belgium race ahead of like Van Wilder and Co. So that's how young this guy is. Um, yeah, I think those sort of races really suit him. I think other people still available haven't been re-signed yet. Are Thomas seems a little bit a uh, bit of tension between Thomas and Ineos at the moment. To put it lightly, uh, they've given him a offered him a contract that's less than his current deal and less than he expects. I think if he expects to be re-signed for the same money, he's He's delusional, frankly. Like, yeah, the guy ain't a premium GC contender anymore. That being said, if you want to win a World Tour stage race in 2022, I would take Thomas over any of Hindley Vlasov, Egito, Kelderman, Buchmann any day of the week. I wouldn't. Even I Almeida. Wouldn't no, no, no. Come on, come on, come on. What? What's Almeida won? He's gonna win. No. When? N- next year. Okay, so he's going to what? When he, he might do one good climb, then get lose three minutes on the other climb. Well, Thomas crashed in 50% of his races, so... Still won two World Tour races. Yeah, that's true, but he's 36 <laughs> by then. So we've got Almeida, who's going to progress from this point onwards. Vlasov as well. I think that they're going to win races next season, and I would rather invest in someone for the future than 
spend my money on Thomas. But then you come with the <laughs> argument, well, why don't we just spend a bit of money on Thomas for one year and then that's get a Katapaz or a Roglic yeah. the year after? That's what I'm and saying. And that's where I'm like, that's kind of true. <laughs> <laughs> the issue is supposed to progress. He's 22. Turning twenty three in a couple of weeks, not look too flash hot at UAE. Yeah, you, can, you, can, you can blow you can blow about your hot take at the start of the season, <laughs> saying that Hirschi wouldn't win anything this year <laughs> because it's actually coming true. <laughs> I'm just saying, and I'm, Tom is probably asking for too much money for what he is right now. I'm just saying, this guy, if he big if if he doesn't crash, still can win. Yep. Literally, the Crotum de Dauphiné, theoretically the most pre- prestigious one week stage race on the calendar. Uh, and he won a stage there. So he's always underrated, I would say. It depends on his motivation, depends if he wants to move. I think he wants to stay at Ineos. He's 35. But I think a one-year deal of Thomas, if you get his mind right, get some support around him, you can still get results out of this yep. guy and maybe get a bit of British marketing. Um, yeah, yeah, but his his salary at another team is always going to be lower than what it was at Ineos. So he might as well sign for less at Ineos. Yeah, exactly. So unless you're he right. wants opportunities as well, he he probably won't get them. Like uh, the tour, they can't guarantee him leadership of anything. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, it'll be interesting to see where where Thomas goes. Where do you think the likely? What do you think? Ribble well died. Fuck off. Where do, <laughs> <laughs> hey, Canyon DHB son, God, doing a tour tour series. <laughs> where do you think is his landing spot? The Trek retirement home or or mm. Israel? Quebec assholes. <laughs> well, let's say Astana has Premier Tech leaving as sponsor. So, what if Premier Tech is going to I don't know Quebec, for example? I don't. I have not read anything about it, so I don't know where they would go as sponsor because they said they're interested and in talking to other teams. What if they go to Quebec assholes and give more money? And they're like, "Oh, Thomas is available. Let's get Thomas." Retirement home Quebec is back in order. Maybe. I mean, Jesus, have they got? Aru Podzovivo. <laughs> Aru's actually looking all right. Yeah, and Podzovivo actually too. So, Quebec have six riders under contract for 2022 so far. So, they are free slate right now. Just, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I don't know. I think, I think Thomas, I, I would sign him depending on the money he wants. But maybe that's the big, the big if and the big caveat. Uh, but yeah, that's the our big mega transfer pod so far. We might do a Question. second one. Yes. Sorry. Important question to finalize this. Is the Oakley sponsorship personal or team-based? Because if he leaves, will he lose his glasses? I think he purchases those ones himself. Okay. Surely. Or has a collection. He has to be paid, come on, for, <laughs> for wearing them at this point. Doesn't the team get paid directly? The team gets paid directly by Oakley, not him. Is Quebec being paid by the same glass wearers? They've got, I think they got Assos Sunnies, right? So he's going to have to wear Assos Sunnies if he goes to Quebec. Asking me a that's problem. minus 50 watts. Maybe that's literally why he's like, I can't leave Ineos. Maybe De Koenig's <laughs> the only other team, De Koenig or, or he can go to wherever else. Where <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, this has been our mega transfer poll. There might be a second one if some more news comes out or if uh, I wish there was trades in cycling like the NBA. It'd be awesome to see trades. I guess we had that with <laughs> Delco signing or giving Guinean, uh, Binium Guerramai to, to Marche. But yeah. Let it give us a like or a review if you did enjoy the Mega Transfer Pod. We also have a Ko-Fi link if you want to directly support the podcast in the description down below. And we'll see you with the Tour de Cologne stage recaps throughout this week. Ciao.